Welcome to the program. We spend an awful lot of time on a name. Say it. Say the name. Craig Robertson. Robertson apparently armed at the time when the FBI came breaking his door down. We talked to one of his dear friends, a Utah Valley uh, University professor, who says, I can't believe it. He talks about what his wife witnessed uh, and what a neighbor witnessed. And he tells us about the man. But it's complex because the man also was living some sort of, I don't know, invincible guy life on the Internet and was making threats against the president, which you would expect the FBI to do. Come visit the man, especially if the president is in town. But his threats were really over the top and ridiculous because he was going to dress as a bush and uh, use a rifle to kill the president. Okay, well, he's 300 pounds and he walks with a cane and he's 75 years old. I I don't think that's a good disguise in the first. Why is that fat bush over there uh, walking with a cane? (sighs) Was it laziness? Was it intentional? What is the story here? We take it from every single uh, angle possible. You don't want to miss a second of today's podcast. Brought to you by Jace Medical. Jace Medical is this great group of people that have been trying to make sure that you have access to antibiotics. We're running low on antibiotics. We're short of many of the leading antibiotics. If there is a supply breakdown, good luck getting antibiotics. Jace Medical makes the Jace case, which gives you five of the the best antibiotics used, and you can keep them at your house, so if you need them. Also, they now have Jace Daily. I want you to check this out. It is the one thing that the preppers have been missing, at least me. I haven't figured out, how do I get my daily medication if there's a real systematic breakdown? If you have somebody with, uh, in my case, I have two kids with epilepsy. Or you have diabetes, or you need heart medicine, low blood or high blood pressure medication. What do you do? Call Jace Medical at jacemedical.com. Ask him about Jace Daily. Jacemedical.com. Here's the podcast. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. This is the Glenn Beck program. Police say, not police, sorry, sources say, unnamed sources say, that Craig Robertson, the 75-year-old man in Provo, Utah, was armed at the time of the shooting. What, what, what does that mean? Was he pointing a gun at them? Did he have a gun in, I'm armed right now, I'm carrying a gun. But that doesn't mean I'm, I'm a threat to you. Was he holding the gun or does arm mean that he had a safe full of guns? What does that mean? And if this shooting happened inside, which I'm led to believe it is, but I cannot confirm that because they won't confirm any details. If this this shooting happened inside, why exactly did the body was the body moved to the sidewalk outside of the house and then let to sit there? For hours, something's very wrong here. And that's not excusing what Craig Robertson said, apparently, online. Now, one of his friends from church is uh, Travis Lee Clark. He's a Utah Valley University adjunct professor. He is a church friend, knew Craig Robertson quite well. (sighs) Boy, I hate doing these interviews. Travis, 
I'm so sorry for your loss, and I'm I'm grateful that you are willing to come on the air and just tell us what you do know. Uh, thank you, Glenn. I just I just wanted people to know the the Craig that I knew. Is is Craig? You didn't know anything about his social media postings, right? You didn't follow him there. No, I I did not follow him on social media. I did not see that until uh, later in the day after I knew he was killed. Okay. Um, but I knew him. I knew he was political. He often, you know, talked about politics. He was a big Second Amendment supporter. Uh, but I had never heard him say anything like that. And he used a a walking stick, so he was... He was not really agile. He was 300 pounds, 5'4", 75 yep. years old. So he yep. was... He, Go ahead. He could not get out of a chair without his uh, cane or walking stick. And there were a few times where I had to help him get out of a chair. And he was not a very mobile guy. He lived less than half a block away from the church. And he would drive himself and his son to church just because he really couldn't walk that distance. If you saw him and you were on an FBI interview, would he be the kind of guy that, you know, if you only know that what he said, I've got a ghillie suit, I'm going to go up into a parking lot and I'm going to stake out the president and I'm going to shoot him with my high-powered rifle. Is, Is he the kind of guy that, you would, of course, if the president's coming in, you would go and make sure that he's not in his ghillie suit. But would that be a possibility or laughable if you had seen him, just seen him and not known him? Utterly, it's utterly unbelievable. It's utterly laughable. He was not very mobile. He was not very active. I, I could not imagine him in a million years getting dressed up in a ghillie suit and taking up some position, <laughs> you know, as a sniper, you know, in the condition that he was. He was he was just simply not capable of of executing these threats that he made. They, I, I can't imagine anybody who knew him or met him for any length of time imagining that he was he was even physically capable of doing that you uh, know some of his neighbors um do you know did the shooting happen in the house or outside did the fbi move the body my my wife is good friends with the next door neighbor who called us immediately after it happened because she had a five-year-old in the house and she was very traumatized and was looking for some place that as soon as they let her out of her house, because she was the whole neighborhood was locked down. As soon as she was able to get out of her house, she wanted a safe place for her and her five-year-old. So she called my wife, thought that maybe that could happen. And then um, my wife went over to go check on her and spoke with her. And as near as I can tell, the shooting took place inside the house. They, they, um, attempted to bash his front door down that failed then they had a vehicle mounted battering ram that went in through his front window and then they went into the building and then that's when shots were fired and then for some reason i don't know his body was taken out um and when my wife went to go check on her friend who was living right next door with her 
five-year-old son, and they were obviously traumatized, uh, his body was still laying out there on the sidewalk under a sheet. And this was around 8.30. So this was, you know, two hours after the event supposedly happened. And it was very distressing for my wife. Um, I bet it was. That he, he was just this person that we knew from church, this kind of lovable teddy bear kind of a guy um, who didn't seem like a threat to anyone, um, was just playing out there. She thought it was very disrespectful. People don't understand the the neighborhoods in Utah are different. Um, usually everybody goes to church and the church is usually within a walking distance of a couple of blocks. Uh, and so families really get to know each other and children get to know each other. Was he the kind of guy that the children knew in the neighborhood? Uh, um, I understand that she did everything she could to keep her five-year-old son from knowing what was going on. Took him down to the basement to um, protect him because it was a very scary situation. And Jeez. and the did, second she the second she found someone who could you know take her kid and get them out of that situation, she did. But they were stuck there while all this was unfolding. Yeah, I'm wondering how all the other children on the block, if they saw this man that they knew, um, did he no seem, idea. did he seem at all crazy to you? Did he seem like the kind no, of guy that would, no. This, no, so this was, just, he, I spoke to him on Sunday. I just said, hi, how you're doing? Uh, I meant to ask about his son. I didn't ask about his son. I feel bad about that. He has a, an adult son who is disabled, blind that he's the primary caregiver for and had been up until a few weeks ago. His son had a stroke and is now oh, in his character. And, <sighs> and so I meant to ask about his son, but I didn't. And I regret that, but he seemed fine. Uh, he was always good natured, quick with a joke, uh, could be a little bit curmudgeonly at times. Um, but he was, you know, and I, I said this in my Twitter post, he was a sweet guy. And I know that sounds crazy considering what everybody's seen, what he's posted on Facebook, but he was, he was a woodworker. I think there's, um, I think there's a monster in each of us that comes out sometimes on social media that you're like, you'd never say that oh, yeah. in real life, but you just become a monster because you're on social media and you think you can get away with it. Yeah. I, uh, I think he just kind of leaned into his online persona, but anyone Anyone who saw him and his condition and anyone who knew him and his personality would have just thought this guy is just he's just trolling and just went over the top and in exceedingly bad taste and and not very wise, you know, statements. But I can't imagine anybody who knew him thinking that he he was any of that was more than just bluster. And, you know, I do. I think he just went into some dark places and leaned into his online yeah. persona and, and blew it up because he just simply was incapable of so, enacting any of the things he said. Had you ever gone on over to his house or yeah. know anybody that you had? Did he have yeah. guns laying around? Did he was he sitting next, you know, in his recliner? Did he have a gun sitting there? No, no he had his he always had his gun secured. He had a workshop and he, he loved his, he loved to work on wood and wood projects. And most of the time, that's what we talked about. 
Um, so what anyone I, who needed help, he would do that. But every time, you know, I, you know, I went over there, he had his guns and he was, he was a gun collector. He loved his guns and would work on his guns and, you know, do some builds on guns. Well, here's, here's and, why I'm asking this. This is why I'm asking this. The FBI said he was armed at the time of the shooting. I don't exactly know what that means. Um, I know if you want to make it look like, you know, he was shooting back, you say he's armed, but I carry a gun. I'm armed right now, but I'm not a danger to anybody unless you are threatening me. I'm wondering if the police come into the house and he's in bed or he's sitting in his chair, he has a hard time getting up. Is he the kind of guy that had a gun on him all the time that it was like, oh, somebody's coming in and he's pointing a gun at the FBI? I, I don't know. I don't know, but, you know, he was... Did he carry a, a, a gun that you know guy. of? Did he carry a gun um, all the time? I don't know. But, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me because he talked about concealed carry. But if he did, okay. he wasn't flashing it in church. He wasn't, you know... Correct. He wasn't like some of these gun nuts who are flashing their gun and, and doing everything else. If he did, he was very discreet about it. And, and it, it never worried me at all. Um, he was always very conscientious about his guns, about safety of his guns. His guns were in a secure place in his house. Um, and so I, I can't, you know, I can't imagine. I mean, yeah, I had guns in the house, but I, what, I don't know what the situation or how it unfolded. One last thing. This bothers me that the FBI, who knows that they're supposed to be trained in de-escalation, they knew he was a ward clerk, so he's in part of you know, what's called the bishopric. Um, he is part of the leadership of yeah. the church. Um, and uh, he, he's known to be a nice guy. If the FBI knows this, they should have gone to the bishop. Is he the kind of guy that the bishop would have gone to and said, hey, listen, FBI approached me. They need to talk to you. The president's coming to town. What are you doing? Why are you writing these things? Listen, sure, they have I, a warrant. I, they have a warrant. Talk to them. Could he have, would he have listened to somebody like that? I think he would have. I think he would have. I think that anyone who had contacted anybody in the church or anybody in the community that he knew or trusted could have, could have gotten a read on him and, and figured this out. I just can't believe that, this required a SWAT team at a, at a dawn raid. You know, it seems a complete overreaction for a man who was very physically limited. And I just can't believe that he, he got this kind of attention. Seeing the Facebook posts, well, I understand why, but I don't understand why that escalated immediately to a SWAT team. I didn't know that he had been visited by the FBI. In, in March, but I found that out. But I think anybody who had visited him at that time would have seen, would have looked at him and said, this guy may be a hothead, he may be a crank, but he's, he's not going to be that kind of threat. And I still don't understand why this could not have been handled another way. We're talking to Travis Lee Clark, who is a friend of Craig Robertson, who was um, shot and killed um, by the FBI in a raid of his house. Um, I, Travis, I, I, um, I can't thank you enough. I know when our producers reached out to you yesterday after seeing your post that, uh, it was a horrible day. And this is the worst part of my job is having to 
talk to people who are still in shock and still in mourning, and I apologize for that, but I, I am so grateful that you would share what you knew about him. Can you tell me, the if you feel comfortable, tell me the name of his son so we can have the audience pray for his son. Sure, his name was Sean, Sean Robertson. Okay. Thank you, Craig. Or thank you, Travis. I really appreciate it. God bless you. Thank you, Glenn. You bet. That's Travis Lee Clark. He is a Utah Valley University adjunct professor and a friend of the now deceased Craig Robertson. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Kyle, welcome to the uh, Glenn Beck program. How are you, sir? I'm doing very well. How are you doing, Glenn? I'm good. So this this situation uh, that happened in Provo, Utah yesterday is bothersome on so many levels. And let me start first with the quote unquote victim, uh, the guy who was making threats. You don't do that. What he did was wrong, illegal, and you would expect the FBI to come in. However, you wouldn't expect them to kill him. So I don't see uh, a good guy here on either side. Although I do kind of side with uh, uh, with the victim because it was completely unnecessary on what happened. Can you talk me through this? Yeah. So we have to look at sort of the bigger picture. The bigger picture is this. You can make really bad decisions and get to the point where there's a SWAT team there. And once that happens, a shooting of someone in that scenario can be very justified. And uh, the deadly force policy for the for the FBI, which is the entire DOJ's deadly force policy, it's pretty specific. The most operative clause there is when the officer has a reasonable belief that the subject of the force, that's the person they shoot, poses an imminent danger of death or serious physical injury to the officer or another person, then that deadly force is justified. They're able to do it. So you can have a justifiable shooting, and I'm, very, I'm pretty confident, I've talked to my buddies who are actually on that team, that this was a straightforward weapon scenario. They were justified in making that shot. But we have, that's, that's C, D, and E of the steps of, you know, like he produces a weapon, they have to react to it, and then the guy is dead. That's C, D, and E. But A and B is the decisions of the investigation that went on before it and the decision to send SWAT into this guy's presence. And those can be bad decisions. So we can step further back and see this being a bigger problem. And so even though the, just, you know, the SWAT team may have been justified in their shooting, sending SWAT, which is an FBI, kind of a standard move right now. They have a whole matrices of, of uh, questions and concerns for any given arrest operation. Mm-hmm. SWAT is the default position. I used to joke that the guys, because I used to work with the SWAT team in Washington field office. I've worked with SWAT teams in other places as a surveillance agent. We were uh, integral in watching people before they were arrested. And so you would keep an eye on the subject before it happens. So I've done this, I don't know, upwards of 50 times, I would say. I've been in a lot of these briefings. Some of my buddies have been on these teams for a long time. And the, uh, the, the kind of the kooky piece of it is, is that... Um, you, you don't want to engage somebody in a place where they are most likely to be violent. That's not the best course of action, right? Hmm. So in order to get this guy into custody safely, there are many other tools in the tool belt. But I used to tell the guys on SWAT, SWAT doesn't stand for special weapons and a tactic. It actually is the standard warrants and arrest team because they are the default position the FBI goes to to make arrests. Some it's cases never will, they'll, they'll never use their, their handcuffs because SWAT is busy doing their arrests. And that's a default okay, so, That's not good. So... So, Kyle, here is the thing. First of all, I thought George Floyd, I thought that was all about, you know, and all the march against police of using excessive force when it wasn't needed. Um, I'm disgusted by this whole thing. And I, I still believe what the guy did was wrong. And he should have expected the FBI to show up. 
but they did show up. He's they 75 did. years old. He is uh, uh, obese, 5'4", 300 pounds. He can't get up out of, chair, out of a chair without a walking stick or a cane. He walks with a cane. He's got a blind son who just had a stroke. Um, and you, you use basically a tank to come in through his front window. I mean, here's, here's the problem. If you wanted to get this guy and make sure that you had him in custody, why wouldn't you take him when he got out of his car at this parking lot of the supermarket? Why wouldn't you take him out, uh, you know, and uh, surround him and arrest him in the parking lot of his church? Why wouldn't you go? He was a member of the church in good standing. He was actually part of the leadership of the church in a small way. He was a a secretary to a, a, a clerical position. The, he could have gone to the pastor or the bishop and said, the FBI could have said, look, we have a warrant. We know this guy is old. He's infirm, but he's doing things that are really dangerous and de-escalate. What they did is they gar- almost guaranteed that this man would die. I agree with you. And I agree that all those tactics, those techniques you just mentioned, those are in the tool belt and they exist. But the FBI is fundamentally not flexible they're not nimble and they're sort of lazy in their thinking there's an old saying that uh, if you choose your doctor you choose your diagnosis in many ways if you choose Mm. your law enforcement tactic you're going to choose that outcome as well and you at least put certain things on the table that wouldn't otherwise be there my old job i spent three years doing this thousands of hours a year was called um it was called special operations group but essentially we were a surveillance group that had the ability because we were armed agents to do interdiction and they call it tsi in the fbi or tactical surveillance to interdiction And it's exactly what you just said. I grab you when you're pumping gas. We grab MS-13 members who might swing a machete at us and we might have to shoot. We grab them when they had two cups of coffee in their hand because they were going to their construction job at seven in the morning. And that is far safer for the public. It's safer for the subject and it's safer for the officer. So when you. So what the hell happened? Why would you do that for MS-13, but not for a 75 year old guy who doesn't mean the things that he's saying? He's just wrapped up in this stupid Internet world. There's two possibilities. One is that it's, they're sending the message, and that is definitely a real possibility, and we have to do oh, it. But yeah. we, we can't impugn people's motive without knowing. And the second possibility is lazy thinking, which is that we've always done it this way, and that is a default FBI position. It's like, well, we had two agents shot in 2021 on that child pornography warrant down in Miami, and we send SWAT to people that might have a gun because that's one of the criteria. If they have a dangerous dog, that's a criteria for SWAT. And if they've shared basically that they have negative feelings about law enforcement, And one of the three charges that is in that complaint about uh, this guy, Craig Robertson, is a complaint about him making threats to law enforcement. That's the caught number two. It's 18 uh, USC 115, where he basically told the FBI, come back with a warrant. And by the way, I'm carrying a gun. And uh, they took that as a threat. And look, that's a legitimate threat. His original threat. I agree. I agree. Those all happened in March. Like you said, bad, bad choices. But you also see that the reason that this thing kicked off and why they went to go grab him was because Joe Biden was coming to the state and he made a threat to Joe Biden. So we had the final straw was actually 18 USC 871, which is usually a Secret Service sort of uh, prerogative. It just turns out they had this open case from the FBI. So why wouldn't the Secret Service be the ones to go in? I've done this for 50 years, Kyle. I've reported on crazy stories for 50 years, 47. And I got to tell you, I've not seen this before with with Secret Service or the FBI. I've seen them go take people in their house. I've seen them, you know, president is coming in. They've monitored somebody. I've never seen this. 
no, you're, you're spot on. And, and so the concern is, is um, let's just do like a little replay because we all live through Donald Trump's pregnancy, uh, presidency. Pregnancy. Sorry, my wife is pregnant. <laughs> well, my, my wife is pregnant right now. She's about to have a baby. So, so I have this. Uh, <laughs> I got baby right. right. Sorry about that. But, but think, yeah, think about this. You've got uh, you've got people like Kathy Griffin that were cutting off the head of, a, of an effigy yep. of Donald Trump. You've got Snoop Dogg pointing a gun at a, uh, a Donald Trump uh, sort of actor. You've got um, you've got guys like uh, you have John. You have that? Johnny Depp saying, uh, Johnny "Where's Depp saying, when was, the last time yeah. an actor killed a president with John Wilkes Booth? Maybe an actor should kill this president." I mean, they right. didn't bust his and door Madonna. down. Madonna thinks she Madonna. wanted to blow up the White House. Okay. Yep. So, and did any of those people? And I had people respond to me on on social media, and they said, "Well, the Secret Service called them." And I said, "I always felt like when the Secret Service called somebody, it's the same as a SWAT team." breaking down your window at 6.15 in the morning. It's just, it's night and day in the experience of it. And so that yeah. is where it feels like it's weaponized because people are seeing two different sides and the way they were treated. And that's troubling. Okay. It should be really troubling to Americans. All right. So uh, they say he was armed. W- what does that mean? That he had guns in the safe or he was holding one and pointing it at a tank or pointing it at the officers? Um, even having it in his hand would make it justifiable. That is an imminent threat. And so they can justify, like I said, you can say that this was a justified shoot and that it was a quote unquote good shoot in the law enforcement context. And wow. Really? Be Cause I hang on just a there. second, Kyle, because I can't do that. If I, if my life isn't truly threatened, even if he's uh, pointing a gun at me, if, if I don't feel I'm truly threatened by that, it's not a justifiable shooting and I'll have to go to court to prove that. But the FBI is okay. Well, it's the way it's taught at Quantico. And so this is maybe some inside baseball for you, for your listeners. But they actually do a scenario where a guy is sitting at a desk. And, and, and the reason why is this. And, Glenn, this is me trying to be very fair to both sides of it. Of which, yeah, I, know, I know. Like I said, I don't, I, don't, I don't think anybody that was on that warrant woke up in the morning and said, we're going to go kill this guy, and here we go. And high fived it when they were done. I, don't th- I think they're probably devastated. Um, but the decisions from the management tree that made them there in that spot were very bad. And I think they're incredibly dangerous. The scenario that gets taught at Quantico, it's a standard training um, scenario that every FBI agent goes through. There's a man sitting at a desk. He has a gun on the desk with his hand on it. Okay? You are approaching this guy to give him a subpoena. You get up and you realize he has a weapon system. If you try to talk him down, he is saying he's going to kill himself, but he kills his secretary, and then he kills himself before you get a chance to react. And, and the fact of the matter is, is all these scenarios, action will beat reaction. If someone has a weapon system in their hand, and they have it at low ready or it is their hand in a holster, they can actually shoot you. You can actually draw a weapon out of the holster and shoot somebody if you make that decision before the person who's holding a gun on you can actually react. It's been proven over and over and over again on every level, special operations troop do it. So that's why there's an imminent standard. I've actually gone through the training, uh, and one of the scenarios is a guy who's holding his girlfriend hostage, and the only way that you win in that situation is if you shoot him first. Uh, yep. So I, I've I've seen the training and I understand that. I'm just I, I I'm I'm just bothered by what this what happened here um, because I've never seen it before. It's an overreaction from government. It is clear. I mean, right now, if this man were black and a Democrat, everybody would say, "Say his name, say his name," uh, and uh, you want to talk about it? Yeah, the cities would be on fire. Uh, and so I'm really bothered by it. And I'm also really bothered by the fact, because I've seen CSI, but maybe the FBI doesn't need to have anybody check on them. Why did they move the body from the house and leave it out on the sidewalk for two hours? 
So I got two possibilities, and they're both stupid. Uh, the one possibility is, is they moved him out there to work on him in a medical scenario. We set up usually outside of these buildings in, in what we call a casualty collection point. That's pretty standard military tactic. So you take people outside of the place where the threat is, you bring them to a safe place, and then you can work on that's them. Acceptable. That's acceptable. Okay. Thing. That, and, and as I, I was, I've been a paramedic for over 10 years, and that was, that's what our plan was. You don't really expect to ever have to use it on a subject. It's generally in case one of your, your teammates is hit. But that may be the plan that they executed. So let's go with that. But why was he left out there? And, and we're hearing reports he was left out there for hours. And I can't validate those yet, but let's just assume that was. That is basic government and particularly FBI incompetence because the FBI doesn't deal with bodies. They don't shoot very many people, number one, thankfully. And number two, <laughs> there's no plan if they did. Like, they don't, they don't deal with homicides. That is a local police matter. And well, so when, I mean, you, for, when you have this scenario happen, what the hell do they do? They don't even know. They're, they're calling, like, how do we get the lab division? Where's the ERT, the evidence response team? They're probably trying to do everything right and, you know, do the federal well, thing, like, you know, dot the I's and cross the T's, but they're screwing up and they're leaving a body out. Maybe that's why, uh, did they involve the local police or did they call 911 after they shot him? Maybe that's why you would have the local sheriffs. Yeah, that's why you should have the sheriff's department and the police department there. Because who's watching the bad guys? Who's watching the bad guys? If if this if this guy is bad, great. If the other side is bad, we should know about it, and that's only if we have an independent look at it. I mean, I I just this really really bothers, and I'm not defending him. I'm really exactly. not. He he was. I mean, he's known in the community as being a lovable teddy bear kind of guy, but he got wrapped up uh, in the in his internet persona and did stupid, stupid things. But they've already met this guy. They've been looking at this guy forever. He's in a, uh, he's threatened the president. He says he's going to get into a ghillie suit and uh, a ghillie suit in a car park surrounded in cement. And he's 300 pounds and he walks with a cane. What Bush walks around with a cane? I mean, it's ridiculous the way this was handled. And, uh, I hope it's not swept under the rug. Well, Kyle, I, unfortunately, just because they do, the side is this is not the side that people get outraged about. Unfortunately, I am. Uh, I thank you, and I, I hope I'm not unfair to uh, those good FBI agents. But it's high damn time voices like yours are not so alone. It's high time that the FBI says, you know what, this was a horrible error. And I'm not going to be a part of this. I'm sorry, but we didn't make this decision. They did. And it was a stupid decision. Somebody needs to pay for it. <sighs> sorry, Kyle. Thank you so much. No, I appreciate it. Thanks, Glenn. The best of the Glenn Beck program. I know what is going to be said today. There are going to be people that write that I am defending this teddy bear of a man who was threatening the president of the United States. That's what's going to be said. And others will say, Glenn Beck said the FBI was justified in going in and shooting this man. That's what both of them are going to say. And both of them are wrong. And both sides uh, should learn the lesson from yesterday when it comes to the Internet. Say what you mean and mean what you say. Period. Be the same person online that you are in real life. If you wouldn't say it to the person, then don't say it. Why are they? Um, it is becoming dangerous. 
And there are people on all sides that are trying to twist things, and it is going to get more and more dangerous. Don't listen to hyperbole. Listen to people who say what they mean and mean what they say, and then become one of those people. This is not helping either side, this shooting. The FBI is not trusted by a growing number of Americans, and they're not trusted for very good reasons. They have lied to Congress over and over and over again. There's a new story about Christopher Wray lying to Congress about uh, the, uh, uh, what was it, the, uh, the Catholic thing, and I think also about the pro-life. He's lying in his own testimony, and you can prove it now. So they don't deserve our trust when they start doing the right things and speaking the truth, no matter how hard it is or who it hurts, including themselves, then they will deserve trust again. But they don't go in and kill people. And you shouldn't be the kind of person that can bring this kind of uh, dishonor to your family where I can't defend you because you said these things. But I really want to because I don't think you believed in I don't think you meant any of those things. Maybe you did. But I don't think he did. So who wins? Who's left better with this situation? No one is left in any better shape. That's because we have all forgotten the responsibility that comes with your freedom of speech. You in this country have a right to say what you uh, believe. You don't have a right to threaten somebody's life online. That's, that's illegal. You, do, you can't do that. You don't make threats against people's lives. You don't incite violence. You don't go out and say, let's go into the Capitol tomorrow. Well, that one I think you can say if you're the right person. Seems the press will leave you alone if that happens. But you don't threaten the president or judges or anybody else. Okay? Because you have a responsibility and quite honestly, Christians, we have a responsibility to be more Christ-like. That doesn't mean we are Christ-like all the time, because we're humans. We're not Christ. I don't know how many times I think to myself, you know, in, in shameful moments, when I say something and my first thought is, well, well, I mean, Jesus didn't live in these times. Jesus wasn't a talk show host. <laughs> Jesus didn't live in these times. I don't know. I don't have a crown of thorns on my head. I think he might have had a little worse than I have. And he still prayed for the people because he knew they're all our brothers and sisters. And if the shooter would have realized that in his anger, he wouldn't have said those things. And quite honestly, if the FBI was doing their job and they were a a system of justice for, by, and of the people, they wouldn't have gone in and done this. They would have de-escalated this, and it wasn't hard to do in this particular case. Not hard to do. But they don't care, because they're not part of a government of, for, and by the people. At least right now, they seem to be operating like they are just the government, and you are you. And that's the problem because more and more people, this guy spoke out, I think, because he was scared. 
He saw what was happening to his country. He saw what was happening to people's rights. And he saw the lies over and over and over again. And I think people are just reaching a point where they're like, okay, well, Well, no, no, nothing will be solved if we act like that. Everything will be solved because it's all coming unraveling. Did you see that S&P stopped using ESG as a score now? Did you see that? It's all coming undone. It's the truth will set you free. It'll make you miserable first. But it will set you free and it will it will free all of the minds that are currently captured in all of these lies. It will and it will save them. And quite honestly, the Lord would have us saving all of his children. We don't just go, you know what, they're wrong. I'm going to get them. Oh, payback's a bitch. We don't do that. You think your dad would do that? Hey, hey, hey. That's your sister. Love her. She's hurting right now. She's misguided right now. But love her. Always. Do no harm. Don't you dare say that about your sister. You love her. That's what our father in heaven would say about all those we deem enemies right now. And that's hard to do. It doesn't mean we don't tell them the truth. It doesn't mean that we don't try to stop their errors from harming others. But it's all coming undone. So the reality is, for instance, the president is going on this tour to talk about climate warm, climate change. Uh, it's been, what, 17 days of temperatures in Dallas over 100? It's the worst thing that's ever happened in the history of man. For the last four and a half trillion years, it's not this hot even on the sun. Not true. Did you know in 1980, the record was, well, it's been 17 days. I think the record was 50 or 60 days in a row. Hello? And that was at the end of the global cooling scare. So it's, it's his, for instance, he's going around right now talking about, quote, the largest investment in climate in the history of the world. What was that investment in the climate? That investment in the climate is called the Inflation Reduction Act. Why did you call the biggest investment in climate the Inflation Reduction Act? Because it's a lie. The whole thing is a lie. Now, he says these things, and you get frustrated, and I get frustrated. But right now, he's saying, you know, prices are way down. This, this binomics, it's working. It's working. Well, is it? Have you paid for gas lately? Did he fix that or make it worse? Uh, how is your grocery bill? Well, inflation's down to 3%. Uh, yeah, plus the 91 from the prices being risen last year. They didn't go back down 9%. They went down 6%. This year, they didn't go down from, they're still growing, still growing. We're actually not even down. I'm sorry, we are up 12% now. Well, gee, that's, that's good, 12%. That's worse than nine. The Build Back Better Act. So he's saying now that you are getting off, you, we, quote, we're about building an economy from the middle out and the bottom up, not the top down. Then let me ask you, Joe Biden, 
you are now reportedly requesting more disaster relief for Ukraine. This is the country that we're not following the money. This is the most corrupt country in the in the land. This is the country that you and your son were doing business with. And that's not speculation anymore. That's fact. Look, can we get past this, please? We have the documents for the love of Pete. We have 70 warnings from the banking sector saying money laundering. Can we please get past that? Because we're still sending money over there and we don't know where it's going. But that's not all. You're still enriching people, bad guys. You're taking our money and you're sending it over there and God only knows who's enriching themselves. But let me give you this. Biden transition official caught on camera now saying border crisis is a boom for business. Why is it a boom for business? Well, because he was a guy that was overseeing the detention uh, and he was he was building all kinds of things for the for the uh, for the immigrants. And he was sending all kinds of money to these new organizations that he was getting money from. It's corruption. He was enriching himself. How about this one? Fauci and the NIH scientists personally collecting royalty payments from taxpayer funded inventions. Was anyone making money on this? Well, yeah, they were. I told you three years ago, I showed you the evidence of how this works. I showed you that they were making money on these things. Did you get a check? Because I didn't get a royalty check. Did you get a royalty check? Well, no, 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 no. Of course not. They're, they're building this from the bottom up. And the people like Fauci and the, the uh, secretary that was, you know, helping out on the border. That's the very bottom. That is the very bottom. The NIH took royalties from a Wuhan lab collaborator. A alleged front for Russian bioweapons. That's the very bottom, right? Energy Secretary Granholm sold 1.6 million in holdings in an electric bus maker after Biden visited the firm. Huh. Then they declared bankruptcy. But don't worry. That was just your money. That was just your money. She happened to invest in it when it was going up when the government's getting their money. And then when they started looking at it, they're like, oh, boy, this thing's going to fail. She got her money out, so she made her profit. That's building it from the bottom up, isn't it? When they say we're going to build it from the bottom up, we're going to build the, the poor people and give them the money and the power instead of the rich. I don't want the government doing any of that. I don't care if you're poor or rich. Do you have a better idea do you have a way to change my life or people's lives for the better that's who i want to be able to be free and who does that include oh i don't know everyone freedom means opportunity but then you have to take that opportunity freedom doesn't mean you're given everything it means i have the opportunity to change my life i have the opportunity to live my own life now that may mean that i'm just not going to do anything well then your opportunity is going to kind of go away 
because you have closed the door on that opportunity. But if you're somebody that wants to educate themselves and you don't need a special education, unless you're a brain surgeon, you don't need that expensive education. You can educate yourself for the love of Pete. You have the Internet. You have the power of every book on earth at your fingertips. I need somebody to say, yep, you're important. You're smart. No, you don't. It's a scam. Stop it. You need to educate yourself and take responsibility for yourself and walk through those doors of opportunity and don't kick them closed for the people behind you. That's Bidenomics. Kicking the doors closed behind them so you can't get it. But don't worry. All of their special friends, they'll make money. They'll be fine. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details.